everyone. I'm Dr. Susie Green, CEO and founder of the Positivity Institute. Welcome to the Pioneers of Positive Education podcast series two, where I'll be chatting to those pioneers of positive education, those who forged forward in their mission to create flourishing students, staff and whole school communities. I'll be speaking to POSED pioneers from various schools around Australia over coming weeks, speaking with them about their experiences and journeys in positive education. My hope is that you're inspired and motivated to consider positive education for your school. The podcast series is generously sponsored by Perth College, who will also be hosting the Flourish 2019 conference this October in Western Australia. And we hope to see you there. Johnston is the principal of Ravenswood School for Girls and deputy chair and a founding board member of PISA, the Positive Education Schools Association, and has significant experience in leadership roles in schools and as a teacher, and is also an executive member of the Alliance of Girls Schools Australasia, and holds a Bachelor of Arts and Bachelor of Laws with honours, as well as a graduate diploma in education. She also holds a Master's of Applied Positive Psychology from the University of Pennsylvania and Anne's capstone research on high-quality connections in schools was supervised by Professor Martin Seligman and received the honour of being recognised as a distinguished capstone and is currently undertaking a PhD in education at the University of Melbourne under the supervision of Professor Lee Waters and Dr Peggy Kern. In July, Anne was honoured by the Eisenhower Fellowship Trust and the University of Pennsylvania for her pioneering work, her contribution and her internationally recognised leadership in the area of positive education. In 2004, Anne was the recipient of a Winston Churchill Fellowship to conduct research in the United Kingdom on how to foster student resilience. She's also a winner of the Teachers Guild of New South Wales Award for Excellence in the Early Years of Teaching. Anne was awarded the Australian Speech Communication Association Award for Excellence in Communication in 2018. And before pursuing her passion for teaching, Anne practised as a lawyer and was engaged as a course convener and lecturer in law at Macquarie University. So welcome, Anne. Wow, what a list of accolades and achievements that you've uh, you've been very busy over the last uh, period of time, haven't you? Yes, I have, but it's been a labour of love. Absolutely. And I've had the good fortune of meeting you and having known you for, I think, probably over eight to 10 years. And um, I feel very honoured to have uh, witnessed uh, your journey as well, Anne. Thank you, Sudi. Likewise, (laughs) (laughs) It'd be really great. Uh, I usually start off by asking what brought you or your school to adopting a positive education approach, but I'm particularly interested in in your personal journey. And I have, as I said, described some of your uh, achievements over that period of time, but really keen to understand the passion behind Yes. Well, I um, actually began my career as a lawyer and practiced in law for four years until I had a real epiphany and a calling to move into teaching. When I became a teacher, I was um, working as an English teacher, but also a gifted education coordinator. And I was very interested to understand why it was that I had particularly high potential learners who struggled with things like perfectionism and failure of avoidance. Mm -hmm. And as a teacher, I didn't feel I necessarily had the skills to be able to help them really achieve their potential and flourish. And I wondered how it was that I could 
really support the well-being side of their experience as learners. And I was really thrilled. This is in 2004 to undertake a Churchill Fellowship that was based at Cambridge, um, working with the um, deputy head of faculty there, an amazing woman. But along the way, I actually serendipitously went to the second ever European Conference on Positive Psychology Italy. And there I heard an extraordinary presentation by Professor Martin Seligman. And I felt such a sense of the transformational possibilities in this space and the way that we could um, equip learners to really excel, but also support their well-being at the same time. And so my Churchill Fellowship was entirely about exploring how to foster more resilient learners and interestingly it was that experience on the way there that was particularly um, powerful for me and then I had um, yeah that's an amazing time during the Churchill Fellowship really um, extending some of that thinking and taking a deep dive into this area but uh, that was the beginning of the journey Susie. Yes and absolutely quite early on as most people and, and, and some of the audience may not know but with Positive Psychology officially launching in 1998 I I know I had just started at teaching at Sydney Uni in 2004 and yes. uh, we, we weren't even calling the subject Applied Positive Psych at that stage. It morphed in, into that. But you really were very much an earlier adopter and, as I usually say, we've grown up with positive psych. We've been fortunate to grow up with positive psychology. It's true. It's so true. It's such a privilege to have been part of the journey for this long. And why I mentioned my um, previous career as a lawyer is when I returned home from the Churchill Fellowship a year later, I was able to share a lot of the principles and strategies of this burgeoning field, not just in a school setting, but also actually with some law firms. And that was a real delight and honour. And why I'm so passionate about the area is that I really believe it is about helping people be the best version of themselves. And I think that's really significant. And I know it's applicable, highly applicable in the educational setting, but also intriguingly in, in, you know, many, many careers and obviously for people generally, parents, broader community members. So that certainly was a very exciting launch to my um, career in positive education and from there I had the absolute honour of implementing it um, in three wonderful schools. Yes, and I think we met when you were first at St Cath's. That's right. And then uh, I was very, uh, again, fortunate to see you, uh, your journey through Seymour College and now here at Ravenswood. Anything important about that journey and, and how you've developed over that time and in positive education and, of course, now being a real pioneer and leader in the field as well? Thank you, Will. It has been extraordinary working with staff and school communities in all three settings. Mm. And I think in each of those settings, it has been very apparent just how impactful the approaches are and transformational. I think over time, I suppose along with the field, the depth of knowledge has obviously increased. So has the reservoir of um, strategies and approaches. Mm. But I would say that using things like the PERMA framework, um, Seligman's PERMA framework, have been very um, significant and probably constant in, in all different settings as working very well as a sort of organising framework, looking at the pillars of well-being. And certainly I would say my view is provided you begin with the staff, I think that's very, mm. very important, and then work closely, of course, with the students from there and as well as their parents and the broader community, there are tremendous synergies that occur there and a wonderful um, sense of reinforcing of the key concepts as well as the language of um, positive psychology, which I think is important. It's a powerful part, isn't it? And it's yes. quite timely for me because I'm in 
in the midst of submitting a draft chapter for a new textbook that's coming out in positive education. Um, and uh, we've been looking at approaches to education. And I guess what we've, my co-authors and I, have, it's not just now we've discovered this, but along the way, a lot of schools have a varied approaches to positive ed and some start off just focusing on strengths or you see some schools that are identifying themselves as, as a growth mindset school. But yes. I'm really, really interested in the schools that take a, a broader, a strategic and my hope is much more sustainable approach. And I know, and that's something that's been really important to you in all of the schools you've worked at, but even more so here at, at Ravo. <laughs> um, so, so, and I think uh, the audience would really love to hear a little bit about that journey at uh, Ravenswood and uh, any any recommendations or tips or learnings as well. Absolutely. Well, just in terms of the journey, it began on my first day as principal here and uh, I was able to begin uh, firstly by introducing some of the key concepts and strategies and that was fantastic to be able to present to staff. But from there, we launched into an Appreciative Inquiry Summit and I have to say that was such an extraordinary experience for me and humbling to hear from our amazing staff, to be able to explore the positive core of our school, to be able to unearth the way that our own guiding principles here at Ravenswood really do link and align with the key tenets, if you like, of um, positive psychology, but also even things like our school motto, Semper Ad Meliora, always towards better things. Right which is both a declaration and exhortation of looking to the future with hope and being willing to stay the course, to persevere, to continually evolve, evolve and improve. So you can imagine working with such inspiring staff on that very first day and really starting to understand what the school was all about and learn from them and our history was a fantastic starting point and making those explicit links to then start discovering and dreaming together about the future as part of that 4D framework of Cooperitis about where we could take things in terms of being a flourishing positive education school. And I did have a moment recently when Professor Martin Seligman was in residence with us yes. as our inaugural eminent psychologist. Very fortunate, yep. It was, it was an absolute joy to hear him talk about Ravenswood in terms of us being a leading girls' school globally. And I thought back to that first day together and we had dreamed that perhaps we could be recognised for that. And it, I had a moment with one of our um, staff members saying, isn't that lovely, you know, four years into the journey and it's really nice to have that opportunity to savour that. So that's obviously the journey's arc so far. But from the Appreciative Inquiry Summit, the next priority, of course, is to give the staff as much opportunity to be trained as possible. And, in fact, we were very blessed to have the opportunity to take uh, 16 staff members over to St Cath's to be trained by the um, University of Pennsylvania training team who had come out and based themselves there um, just over that summer. And, uh, and so we were invited, as were um, many, many surrounding schools, to participate. And it was fantastically well-timed and a wonderful springboard for our staff, particularly those who were um, keen to be the pioneers in our community, to start to really drill down into those core concepts and start to think about how it apply applies to their own life, their own families, um, but also, of course, to their teaching practice and to their leadership in the school. So that was a, a very powerful start, I believe. And I do want to say, to those um, who may be listening out there, never underestimate the significance of investing in your staff first, in the staff team, and supporting them to have their own experience in positive psychology because they will set the tone. They, of course, are at the front line, even if they're not in the teaching space, if they're in support or operations, and they will be so important in transforming culture as well. 
Yes. So, so from there, lots of opportunities for staff to experience other training. We also did things like hosted PISA conference, uh, a PISA conference, and I just made sure we could do what we can to allow staff to be immersed in the area. And of course, um, from there, it was working with students. Now, at this stage, in the in the earliest phase, we weren't actually explicitly teaching it. That came in the second year. Right. But in the first year, it was more about um, embedding those concepts through things like assembly and uh, through those who were taking more of an organic emergent approach where they were working with some groups in some classes that lent themselves to positive psychology. And from there, just in terms of the phases, there has been the introduction of um, an explicit curriculum that has been beautifully designed and delivered by the staff team. Oh, wow, internally, yeah. Which is excellent. And also in addition to that, we then had the benefit of um, engaging Professor Lee Waters and becoming a visible wellbeing school. So running alongside, of course, the curriculum development and the teaching of that um, once a fortnight, right from kindergarten, right through to year 10, and then in a more thematic way with the senior years, um, we had the benefit then of having Professor Lee Waters come and um, work with our staff and continue the professional learning. But also, I think the benefit for us in terms of the visible wellbeing approach is that it was very much about wellbeing being everyone's responsibility and how we can bring it into the classroom, whether it's a maths class or a science class, beyond the program into practices and into looking at um, culture. And so that that was very um, powerful for us as well. And what time frame are we talking about here, Anne? Because this is a well, lot, yes. isn't it? Yes, there, it is a lot, but we're, um, we're now in our fourth year. Fourth year, yeah. And um, I have to really give credit to our leaders and our um, teachers who are involved in really giving so much of their time to this and in many cases on a voluntary basis mm. where, where staff are really willing to get involved in either the visible wellbeing team or in the positive education teaching team. And it wasn't just those who were specifically in those teams, though they have been absolutely key in, in driving this forward. It was also, for example, our school chaplain who was willing to think about links in chapel and, and how biblical links and thinking about the place of joy and gratitude and taking a strength-based approach, perhaps making links to the fruit of the spirit. So that has been very powerful to reinforce some of those ideas as well. Absolutely. And I think that's a nice, you also highlighted uh, in the initial stages, making those linkages to, I guess, the history of the school, uh, the, the motto, the ethos of the school. And I know we've worked really hard with all of the schools that we've engaged with to do that as well, because then it's not seen as something new. We've actually been doing this from the very commencement of the school. And in fact, those early leaders or the founders of the school were using the language of positive psychology in so many ways. That's exactly right. And I think that that's so important because I think it can be very presumptuous to come in and say, we now have the answers (laughs) and we're going to pass it on to everything else you're doing. And in actual fact, if we take um, a much more authentic approach and understand um, by doing an audit, for example, of practices and teaching, where the opportunities are, where the work is already being done, but also perhaps providing some more scientifically validated, evidence-based approaches to consolidate some of the other approaches that might have been in place that may not have had that same scientific base is really powerful too. So you start to 
to what's there and obviously continue to work with what's already in place that's magnificently successful. So I think being true to one's school community is so important and working with the strengths just like we do with ourselves as people and with each other in positive psychology, going with the grain, capitalising on the strengths, capitalising on what is already working well. Well, absolutely, absolutely. And while we're talking about strengths, that is also a, a bedrock of your approach, I believe, the character strengths. Definitely. And I do believe forms relationships. It's very much um, linking to our guiding principle of respect, being at the heart of all good relationships, but respecting and seeing each other for the strengths that we bring. And that is powerful and harnessing our strengths to be able to contribute more and also achieve more. And in addition to that, as a Uniting Church school, very we're very focused on social justice and making sure that our lives are meaningful and they give to others. So I think that all works very well together. And it works with teachers spotting strengths in students and likewise students spotting strengths in teachers and celebrating that is very important. Absolutely. And I'm really keen to hear because uh, I think the the two areas that a lot of schools are interested in and and have, um, I mean, the teacher training, I think think the staff training they absolutely get and that there's often an investment required and, you know, some time required to do that. But what about your experience with parents? And and then I'd like to talk about the students as well. Yes. Brilliant. Well, parents have been tremendously supportive here and, in fact, in all in each of the schools that I've referred to, the three schools. And I think what's so important is um, giving parents the opportunity to learn and they are part of our community and I think that we are a community of practice and a community we're all lifelong learners. And so bringing parents along for the journey is so important in terms of supporting what's happening in, at school and in the class. Also for families to be able to implement this so that they too can flourish as a family unit. And uh, parents have been very embracing of this and they're a very um, thoughtful and reflective um, group and highly academic in, in lots of ways. And I think that they've really appreciated the evidence base, understanding the research, understanding that it's a scientifically validated framework and uh, exploring that. And we've taken the opportunity here at Ravenswood to not only do that internally with parents ourselves, but also to bring in experts such as you, Susie, yes. but you know, leaders across the world to try and invite them in to speak to our community and other interested members of our community beyond parents to alumni and, of course, local members of our community and perhaps those who come from further away to here. So I think it's about... Yeah, offering that. And hosting the, they've been booked out events actually yes. and haven't they? Yes. yes, they have. And that's been excellent. It's such a wonderful way to get that ripple effect, if you like, into the community, isn't it? And then of course the parents, and uh, in many ways we're very fortunate here at PI, Positivity Institute, to be doing work in the workplace and in schools. Yes. And uh, so, you know, I always mention the work we do in schools and people's ears prick up when they hear about that. They're really interested in it. But of course, talking to the parents, they're then interested about bringing this into their workplace. And as you you and I know well, schools are actually ahead of workplaces in, yes. in terms of uh, particularly a strategic approaches. They're yeah. sort of dipping their big toes in the water. We're running lots of resilience workshops and, of course, our, our coaching. But, uh, you know, the work that's being done in schools like yourself, it's uh, it's so far ahead in many ways. Yeah, well, it's very exciting to help um, lead the way in this. And I think it is so wonderful that our young people are leading the way too. And I guess that does provide a segue into students. I mean, the students here have been doing such inspirational work in this space. Right. 
and really in so many ways their initiatives have been making a difference. I think that it's so important to hear the student voice, to respond to their even their interest areas in, in different areas of positive psychology or positive education when we start to tailor the curriculum to meet their needs in a developmental and age-appropriate way, but also allow them to use their creativity to be able to forge ahead with some of these ideas and initiatives. And I think that makes a big difference because it's got to be authentic to the students. And when they have some ownership of it, and of course, we know about the importance of confidence, autonomy and you know, relatedness, but being able to support students to implement their ideas is remarkable. And is there a student committee or body or how did the uh, creative ideas that the students, once they become familiar yes. with it, how do they the support in, in bringing those ideas to life at the school? So we have um, now two designated wellbeing prefects. Oh, wow. Yeah, That's fun. Works extremely well, and they have been um, helping to lead initiatives. Even like, for example, quote of the day, um, which now stands just on an A-frame blackboard in our sort of entrance area. Right. And uh, it's a covered entrance area. It's just wonderful. But the amount of students who stop and read um, an inspirational quote, it's a small thing, but it really does something in terms yes. of um, just lifting the surroundings and, and just giving that that momentary boost. And I often see parents as well taking photos of the quote. Um, we post them on Twitter as well, and people do follow up, which is excellent. Yeah, that's um, fabulous. Small initiatives, but then um, having the mentor groups each contribute a quote. So they'll come up with one that they think that is appropriate. And now that has been echoed in our junior school that also has its own quote of the day initiative. There's the Come Sit With Us campaign where girls, yes, you know, and you would have heard of that, but girls have a flag and, you know, encourage girls who may not have people to sit with that lunchtime to come and sit with them. Yes. And I think all of these elements combine really powerfully to create a culture that supports positive education that lives it. Absolutely. So sort of multi-level initiatives um, and that's part of the strategy, isn't it? Yes, it is. And one of the things that we, um, paths that we've gone down as a school is that we talked a lot about the significance of high quality connections. And uh, indeed, my own capstone with Professor Seligman through my master's at the University of Pennsylvania was about high quality connections. So we, we talked to the girls extensively about the significance of that and how important these mm. connections are. And then we started to reflect um, as a community on the fact that many of our students at the time were able to access their mobile phones during the day and obviously at lunchtime and at recess. And we put some protocols around that, but worked with the students in doing so. And the students were really receptive and they themselves embraced it and said that, you know, they, they felt that obviously some of them were a bit reluctant at first, but <laughs> um, they felt that it would be really beneficial to be able to put their phones away in their lockers. Yes, they could check their messages at certain times but on the whole be able to be free of them. And we've noticed such a difference in the levels of engagement in the playground, um, even the, the lack of distraction in class has been really superb. But that's been a joint effort between the students and yes. the teachers. and that's probably the, the secret to the success. And I know there's been lots of a, it's a hot topic at the moment, isn't it, a discussion it around a uh, in schools and, and, as you mentioned before, self-determination theory and the, the role of autonomy and choice and, and inviting the students in that decision-making process so then they're more likely to to actually uh, live that. And, um, that's exactly so, right. Yeah, that's really wonderful to hear. And, and I think then they experience the benefits of it and it's reinforcing uh, the decision, you'd exactly. hope. Exactly. <laughs> 
Exactly. And one um, student from the junior school commented as she walked through the senior school to her mum, she said, gosh, the noise has gone up in the senior school um, since the mobile phones have gone. And I agree. You know, that's a good the girls thing. are playing more, they're talking more. And, um, and that's great. Again, thinking about putting a stake in the ground about what it means to be a positive education school yes. and what we stand for in our community. And I think that that's been lovely to have that alignment in that area as well. There's so many questions I could ask you, but one that is running through my mind at the moment, and you probably hear it, and particularly as Deputy Chair of PISA, I'm sure it's been a topic of discussion. I've come across uh, members of staff from various schools over the years that have said they've been told by uh, their leadership that they're not a positive education school and they won't be doing positive education. Mm. And I always sort of think, oh, that's really interesting because Mm. you you are already doing it, but whether you call it positive education or or not. So what's been your response to that? Or uh, how do you manage that when other schools talk to you about positive? I think there can be a perception um, or a misconception that positive education is a happyology. Yes. And I think that is where the problem lies. In actual fact, what we know is that positive education really does recognise that life can be difficult. It's about helping students navigate through the vicissitudes of life um, with resilience and to engage fully in life, lean into life, but to have the skills to be able to navigate through and also to engage in preventative strategies around good mental health. Now, these things are all so important, particularly when we're looking at the rise of loneliness even which is interestingly quite related to uh, social media usage in some studies, but also the fact that one in four students will experience um, a mental health condition at some point in their lives, looking at the general statistics. I mean, if that's not enough of a reason for schools to uh, look at what they are doing in an evidence-based way around wellbeing, then, you know, that's surprising. But but we know even more than that, that actually learning and wellbeing are inextricably linked. And we look at the research of people like Dr Alejandro Adler that looks at um, the direct link between wellbeing and academic achievement. There's a lot to recommend positive education. I think it's more about being able to educate people around what does positive education actually mean. And, of course, it is a broad umbrella area in lots of ways, but it has so many important pillars that help to really um, develop wellbeing. And I think that that is very powerful, even if we look at just the PERMA. So, you know, ways to help build positive emotion in young people from inspiration to awe to joy, engagement, how to get into a state of flow. Um, What do good relationships look like and active constructive responding, things that we know help to support good relationships, uh, challenging girls and boys to think about living a meaningful life and what does that mean for them and their worldview. And then finally, understanding that, you know, the pathway to achievement is paved by grit and perseverance and understanding neuroscience and how effort changes the brain. So I I mention all of that to sort of offer, in a sense, a framework for positive education, but also to um, highlight that there are so many significant pathways that, as you say, schools are already on. That's right. And this is a sort of an organising concept. But most definitely it is not a happyology. It's not about just slapping a smile on the children's faces and, and telling them they need to be happy at all costs. Not at all. It's a very authentic and realistic approach to life, but it is about orienting towards, towards in a way, the light and being willing to have an agile um, approach and one that um, is willing to keep going and propel forward. Any uh, recommendations or learnings, uh, tips for uh, anyone listening that's at the fairly early stages of uh, their journey? Well, I would certainly recommend it's critically important to measure 
Yes. Because um, what we measure grows. And um, and we can also then assess, you know, are there areas that haven't been as effective? Okay, well, then we can um, regroup and try a new approach or we can capitalise on what is going well and continue down a particular path. But measurement is really important. One of the things that's been interesting here at Ravenswood is even having a look at um, not only the uplift in terms of the students' well-being, but how does that relate to things like absenteeism? Mm. And very positively, um, you know, reinforcing of some of our approaches as well. So measurement, I would say, is really important. Yes, and of course there are already, as you said, existing, there can be internal existing measures and then there may be some external measures and there's a number of quite scientifically valid measures becoming available these days as well. And also that concept of even small data, of, of teachers being observant and noting yes. and sharing anecdotally um, experiences and indicators to supplement the more scientific approach. All of those things do matter in terms of being um, mindful of the journey and identifying milestones and um, responses. I would also certainly encourage people to reach out. For example, PISA is so wonderful in terms of being um, an organisation that's all about helping students and school communities everywhere flourish. And so I know that, and I'm speaking as a founding board member, but I know that our other board members, I know that members of PISA as well, of course, as our um, amazing CEO of PISA, Marita Hayes-Brown, are there to also assist people um, on the journey. So know that you're part of a broader network. Um, then we have IPEN, so the International Positive Education Network. So there are lots of linking networks that people can be part of and hopefully find some fruitful discussion is um, available, but also some practical support. So I would recommend that because, you know, you don't need to be on your own in the journey. And uh, there's a lot of accumulated wisdom, practical wisdom as well, that can be offered. It doesn't all need to be really expensive investment into um, resourcing. It can be some very creative um, people getting together and, and finding ways to support one another. We've had a, a real joy in helping, um, for example, support the amazing work of the Where There's a Will Foundation. Yes, um, incredible. Hunter. Uh, working with over 50 schools. But I mentioned that cluster of schools because I also know they're doing some um, fantastic work capitalising on the harnessing the links between the schools and thinking about um, what can work in terms of reinforcing approaches between schools. Absolutely. I just spoke to Jenny Cook from Mount Barker. Yes, yes. And, um, I mean, that's something I've always been really interested in, particularly since uh, Mount Barker uh, was one of the first schools working on that activating hub of community wellbeing. And then, of course, where there's a will in the Upper Hunter, Maroondah City yes. Council's got a cluster down there. Um, we've got some discussions with Blue Mountain City uh, Council and there's a cluster up there. So they seem to be popping up, which is so inspiring to see. Yes, it is. It's so exciting. And I do think that these community hubs will be um, part of the way forward with positive education, these activating hubs. Yes. And Gabe Kelly in South Australia talks about that as well. Right. So, yes. So I know, and we're close to time. I just wanted to ask quickly, you, you're on the path of your PhD at the moment. Yes, yes. yes That's yes. also on HQC's High Quality Connections. Yes, well, actually, I'm sort of developing that idea into really looking at um, how do we help students have a lens on the world that is really about cultivating a mindset for well-being. So 
we know a lot about Carol Dweck's growth mindset yes. and how powerful it is to talk to students and challenge students to approach um, a challenge or a problem with a growth mindset. I'm interested in how we foster a mindset that relates more to focusing on other people so that um, we can look beyond ourselves. It's not all about me, me, me. We, we know, as to quote Chris Peterson, of course, that other people matter and they matter greatly. And I think that what I found in my studies with the High Quality Connections is that so many students talked about the relief it was to be focused on building someone else's well-being and not thinking about themselves. And I I guess what I thought as principal wouldn't be wonderful to perhaps do some research here to work out what are some of the um, ways that we can help to reorient students' perception where they're focused on others and they feel an uplift in their well-being while helping to build the well-being of others. So I'm interested in that space, yes, and being supervised by Professor Lee Waters in that too and Aaron Jarden. So, yeah. I've looking forward and uh, perhaps we can uh, come back and speak uh, once you've got some more results to yes, talk about. I'd love to. But I don't want to uh, keep you any longer. I know you're very, very busy, but thank you so much for sharing your wisdom today. You're such a shining star in uh, the crown of positive education. <laughs> and uh, and hopefully we'll see you at a, an upcoming PISA conference. You certainly will. Yes. But uh, thank you so much, Anne, <laughs> for today. Thanks, and thanks for all your work as well. It's amazing. Thank you so much for listening to the Pioneers of Positive Education podcast series two. This podcast has been brought to you by our sponsor, Perth College, who will also be the host of the upcoming Flourish 2019 conference in Perth on Saturday the 26th of October. If you'd like to stay in the loop for all things POSED, be sure to join our Pioneers of Positive Education Facebook group or sign up for our free monthly Pi News. Thanks for listening and bye for now.